You are listening to the Ibn Abi Umar podcast. This is your host, Umar Osman. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells us in the Quran about the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. لَقَدَ كَانَ لَكُمْ فِي رَسُولِ اللَّهِ أُسْوَةٌ حَسْنَةٌ لِمَنْ كَانَ يَرْجُ اللَّهَ وَالْيَوْمَ الْآخِرَ وَذَكَرَ اللَّهُ كَثِيرًا that there is certainly for you in the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam an excellent example for anyone whose hope is in Allah in the last day and who remembers Allah often. You know, we hear this ayah a lot, particularly in regards to the importance of following the sunnah of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And when we talk about following the sunnah, we're often talking about actions or rituals. So the sunnah of eating with your right hand or the sunnah of how to make wudu or which you know prayers are sunnah or you know so on and so forth but what we overlook oftentimes what we don't pay attention to is what about the sunnah of how he responded to difficulty or the sunnah of how he assessed situations and I really wanted to highlight one particular mindset that we see from the mentality of the Prophet ﷺ, which is the sunnah of optimism, the sunnah of how he responded to situations, how he thought about them, and how he taught the companions to also think about these things. And the Prophet ﷺ, when we look at his life, he remained optimistic and he never wavered in that optimism regard or dis, in spite of being tested more than anybody else and he told us that the people who are tested the most are the prophets and then those who Allah loves after them and after them and so on but the prophets are tested the most and in spite of all of these tests he never lost hope in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and so when we talk about optimism it's very important to clarify one thing what we're not talking about is ignoring your problems we're not talking about this fake positivity that people have where even when things are going bad they just come across as you know artificially high on life so to speak but it's it's the nuance of yes you're going to have problems you're going to have difficulties but it is your hope and optimism in Allah that gives you the resolve it gives you a place to draw strength from in order to deal with those problems in the appropriate way. A good example for understanding this is the example of Hajar. When Ibrahim salam left her in the desert and he's walking away, she says, did Allah command you to do this? And he says, yes. So she says, okay, then in that case, we'll be fine. I have trust in Allah. So he leaves. She's now alone in the desert by herself with her baby. And she says, okay. I have trust in Allah, I'm optimistic, I know Allah will take care of us, but now I'm going to do what I have to do. As we know the famous story, she's running back and forth between Safa and Marwa looking for water and so on, and then Allah gives, you know, gives her water and all of that, the Zamzam. But the point being, the point for our, our purposes here, was that she was in a difficult situation. She could have kind of done the woe is me and sat down, but she said, okay, Allah will find a way out for us, and now I'm going to do whatever it is that I can do to try to remedy the situation, and then we see that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala does provide. And so that's kind of the formula that we have to have. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells us in the Quran, وَلَا تَحِينُ وَلَا تَحْزَنُ وَأَنْتُمُ الْأَعْلَوْنِ إِن كُنْتُمْ مُؤْمِنِينَ Do not lose heart or despair 
if you are true believers, you'll have the upper hand. See, the thing is, despair is easy. To lose hope is easy. The optimism actually takes work. Every time you log on to your phone or you go on Facebook or Twitter or Instagram or any social media, it's very easy to become overwhelmed with a sense of despair or a sense of hopelessness because you open it up and all you see is atrocity after atrocity after atrocity, injustice after injustice after injustice. And it becomes very difficult to cope with it, to process it, that there's so many bad things that are happening. What can we possibly do about it? And it feels like everything's just going down the drain. But we've been warned very strongly by the Prophet ﷺ not to think in that manner. And he told us, That whoever says the people are destroyed, that person that says that, he's actually the most destroyed amongst them. And so he tells us very sternly not to have this attitude that everyone's lost. Everyone, it's, you know, it's all over. We may as well just give up. No, being optimistic, yes, it's going to take work. But that is the attitude that the believer has to have. One way that we develop that comes from having strong faith in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Part, excuse me, part of our iman as believers is that Allah is the source of all good. And he will never decree for us something in which the evil of it outweighs the good. Yes, we're going to be tested. We're going to deal with loss. We're going to deal with hardship. There are going to be quote unquote bad things that happen to us. But we have to have that faith that no matter how difficult it is, that Allah will not test you with something that you cannot bear. And so whatever you go through, the good of it eventually will outweigh whatever we perceive to be bad in it. And we all have examples. We all have seen so many instances of things where things seem difficult, things seem hard. And once we get out to the other side of it, it's a blessing in disguise. It's a silver lining. You know, we, we then reframe and rephrase how we see it. And so true optimism is going in that when we're in that moment of difficulty, realizing that I, ha I have that much faith in Allah that I know whatever comes out of this will be good for me. And so our faith shows us how to tackle these problems, how to use that optimism to draw, to draw strength, to deal with it and to tackle it head on. One thing we find from the Prophet was that he was always looking for reasons to be optimistic. When the Muslims were negotiating the Treaty of Hudaybiyah, the negotiations were, you know, they were very difficult, they couldn't come to an agreement, and the Quraysh sent Suhail bin Amr to then negotiate on their behalf. So when the Prophet saw that, he took that as a good sign. Because Suhail, his name, the name Suhail comes from the same root as the word that means to make things easy. So he said that this is now going to be made easy for us. And so this was his his manner, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. When things were difficult early on in Mecca, he made dua. He was hopeful in Allah. He said, oh Allah, aid Islam through either Abu Jahl or Umar radiallahu an. Right? They were both a problem. They were both making the lives of Muslims very difficult. But he, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, was optimistic that one of them would come and one of them would be able to help them. We see the example of Ta'if. That when they turned, when they turned, uh, they turned them out of their city, 
and the angel came and he said that, you know, give the word and they'll be destroyed. He said that from their offspring may come people that are Muslim, that may grow up to be Muslim. So that was his optimism. And he, he taught people to spread this to other people as well. And one very simple example, he emphasized the, you know, the act of smiling. Smiling in the face of your brother is charity. Because well, smiling is, contag- is contagious, optimism is also contagious. And when you smile, you spread that emotion, you spread that feeling, and it's something that you want to instill in other people. And what's really fascinating about smiling is that in spite of all the hardships that the Prophet went through, any description of him always mentions that he was always smiling. That's like the default the default characteristic that they describe him with was that he was always always smiling. And he said, give glad tidings to people, like spread good news. Don't scare people away. Make things easy for people. Don't make things difficult for people. So he's emphasizing that even as you're teaching and talking to others, like facilitate, make things easy, make people hopeful, bring them closer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. This was the way that he he taught us, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And you could also say that he actually worked to engineer an environment of optimism. So a man came to visit him one time and he asked him, where are you from? He said, I'm from the Valley of of Dalala, the Valley of Misguidance. Imagine if you lived in a city called like Misguidance or Heresy, right? Like Heresy, Texas. Every time you, you fill out your address on something, you're like, I live in Misguidance, Texas or whatever, whatever state you're in. But it's something that you keep saying it over and over again, it has a subconscious effect, right? And so the Prophet ﷺ told him that, no, this is the Valley of Hidayah, the Valley of Guidance. When people came and they had a name that had a negative connotation, he would change their name to something that had a positive connotation. So someone came and they said, my name is Harb, War, right? Like I'm named, literally I'm named War. And he's like, no, that's not appropriate. I will change your name to something more positive. When there's the city of Yathrib, right? The old name of Medina was Yathrib. And Yathrib has a connotation of something that is, that's decreasing. And so he changed the name to Taiba, right? The good city, Medina, the city of the Prophet, sallallahu alayhi wasallam. And so when things had negative connotations, he engineered the environment to be one of optimism by even naming things to have good meanings, to create that environment where people are smiling, things have good names. It has an effect on the psyche of a person. And it's not just how he taught others, or it's not not just how he implemented optimism. What's very interesting is how people were optimistic with him, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. When revelation first came down, and he went to Khatija radiallahu anha for comfort. She told him, Allah will not disgrace you. You are someone that maintains the family ties. You take care of the poor. You honor the guest. And so at that earliest point in revelation, Khatija radiallahu anha is teaching us the same example. Be hopeful in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Have the right attitude toward Allah. And then she's now reminding the Prophet to be optimistic that you're someone that does all of these good things. There's no way that Allah would disgrace you because you're not that type of person. So she's using that to instill that optimism in him. And even the Quran, when the Prophet ﷺ was going through a difficult moment in his life, Surah Yusuf was revealed 
as almost like a gift, as a support for that difficulty. Because in the, in the story of Yusuf, we know that he's thrown in the well, he's sold into slavery, he's falsely accused, he's imprisoned. All these things happen because in the end, there was a plan for Yusuf to be put in charge of all of Egypt. And so it's a consolation to the Prophet ﷺ that yes, maybe Abu Talib passed away, Khatija passed away. There's a lot of difficulty right now. You might go through a lot of hardship, but in the end, you'll come out ahead. And the Prophet ﷺ, no matter how much difficulty he went through, he never defaulted to a negative explanation for something. He never showcased a sense of of self-pity. And this is, in, you know, despite we we overlook these as bullet points in the seerah sometimes. He was a single father for a time. He buried the majority of his children. He grew up without his his parents, his biological parents in his life. And that's before, you know, just that those family things, that's before we even get into the societal hardship and the Quraysh abusing him and, you know, driving him out of his city. You know, all of these things that happened throughout his life. And in spite of that, we keep seeing that his default manner was smiling and easygoing. And so that's the attitude that he had in spite of whatever was going on. When the Prophet was making hijra, he and Abu Bakr were hiding in the in the Mount of Thor and Abu Bakr was worried because the Quraysh were on their heels and they had gotten very close. And Abu Bakr said that all they have to do is look down. If they look down at their feet, they're going to know that we're here. They're going to see what's going on and that's it. It's all over. And the Prophet said, don't worry. What do you say about two, meaning two of us? And Allah is their third. And Allah documents this in the Quran. He said, La tahzan inna Allah ma'ana. That do not despair. Indeed, Allah is with you. And so this is the optimism that's in Saul. That you do your best. You do your best actions. You, you take care of whatever you're able to. But then have your hope and trust in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And the Prophet it actually relates to us. He says that uh, Hadith Qudsi that Allah said, and are in the Vanni Abdibi, that I am as my servant expects me. And in other narrations, it continues that I am as my servant remembers me. And if he thinks good of me, he will have it. If he thinks evil of me, he will have it. And so if a person, for example, on their deathbed is saying, Oh, I did all these evil things. There's no way that Allah will forgive me. Allah is going to punish me. Allah is going to do this to me. Allah is going to do that to me. Billah, may Allah protect us. But if that's how you think of Allah, then that's how you'll find Allah. And so it's a very profound adjustment to our mentality and our, and our view, in a sense, how we're supposed to think about our relationship with Allah. If someone is on their deathbed and they're thinking, I'm hopeful that Allah will forgive me. I'm praying that Allah will forgive me. Allah is the most merciful. When a person thinks in that positive and optimistic way about Allah, then the person will find Allah in that way. And the Prophet ﷺ said, Thinking well about Allah is a part of the excellent worship of Allah. So when we say the sunnah of optimism, that way that we think about Allah, that we're hopeful in His mercy, that we're not in despair, 
that we don't feel hopelessness, that we don't feel as if we're on our own and that's it and nothing, things aren't going to work out for us. To think well and to have that hope in Allah and to know that He has a plan for you and that He can make a way out for you is actually part of the worship of Allah. And He says, Are there only yastajiblakum? Call upon me, I will answer you. And so the etiquette of dua is that when we make dua, we say, Oh Allah, forgive me. We don't say, Oh Allah, forgive me if you wish. Oh Allah, forgive me, inshallah. Because the servant should have so much yaqeen, so much certainty, so much trust in Allah that Allah will forgive me that the servant actually just says, Oh Allah, forgive me. And that's the attitude that we have to have. And one of the most beautiful names of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is that He is Al-Fattah, the, op- the openers, how it's often translated in English. But it's when we feel that we're chasing something or we're you know, trying to do something that we feel that doors are shut, you know, doors are shut in our face, that we can't progress, that we keep getting stuck, we keep getting roadblocked, we can't find a way out. Make dua to Allah because Allah is Al-Fatah. Allah is the one that will open the doors to whatever it is that you want. So call out to Him and He will respond. These are a few thoughts I had on the Sunnah of Optimism. Hope you guys enjoyed this episode. Please send me your feedback, whether it's via email through my website at ibnabiumar.com or on social media at ibnabiumar. See you guys, inshallah, in the next episode. Thank you for listening to this episode. If you'd like to support the podcast, please subscribe in Apple Podcasts or Google Play or whatever podcast player you use. And please rate and review the podcast. As always, if you share it with a friend that's much appreciated, you can check the show notes for all the details and links. See you in the next episode.